And with that familiar music, I'm not here. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. Hello and welcome to your podcast. This is Gary Schaller. And I'm Ken Mills. Today we're joined by a, a great collection of KISS fans. A lot, of, a lot of great folks here today. Gary, you want to introduce everybody? What a motley crew, and no, we don't mean the band. We're right. talking about Chris Karam. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Hey, hey. We've got BJ Cramp. Say, say hello, BJ. Hello. No, you're right. supposed to say hello, BJ, but anyway, you failed. Go on. Oh, uh, you're lousy, Corkoff. Does humor belong in podcasting? <laughs> no. Uh, all right, don't worry, got, there's none of it here. Yeah. We've got Craig Cohen. Hi, guys. Gary, I just wanted to say it's so great to uh, finally talk with you. Uh, I've been a podcast fan for a very long time, and I, I've enjoyed all of the content you put online. Oh, thanks, man. Good to have you on. Right on. Oh, yeah, and I, I also want to uh, commend everybody here for the roundtables you've been doing. I remember listening to the Hot in the Shade one and feeling like I was poolside with you guys. Excellent. <laughs> Welcome to the show, as, as, uh, as Kiss would say. Um, we got Matt Porter. Matt the, the Wookie, Cat. The Wookiee of Kiss podcasting, right? Well, you know, and I want to point out that because we're talking Dress to Kill, we're all in our finest suits today, oh, and yeah. everybody looks really nice. I'm in my pinstripes. <laughs> and I'm also wearing William Shatner's pimp hat from... Uh, <laughs> A piece of the a, action. A piece of the action where they, they run into a planet of gangsters. I'm sure you guys have all seen that episode. So I'm wearing my purple Kirk pimp hat. So Nice. I am dressed to murder. I mean kill. <laughs> my pants are a little too short, though. Yeah, it, it'll happen. You know, And and the clogs that I borrowed from Bill O'Coin, but that's a whole other thing. I'm dressed as an Indian. I thought this was going to be a very different... Uh... <laughs> you, you thought it was the Village People cast. Yeah. Welcome right. to Village People Talk. Well, we're discussing Dress to Kill today, which is the third studio album by the American hard rock band KISS, released in 1975. It was produced by Casablanca Records president Neil Bogart, as the label's financial situation at the time did not permit the hiring of a professional producer. Let's talk about the cover first. Uh, Gary, why don't you take this? It's top five for me, I'm pretty sure. I just feel like whether you're looking inside of KISS Alive at the... You know, at the three first records, you know, you, you, you buy Kiss Alive, you open it up, and it shows you the three records up to that point. Or you're like me, and you're discovering Kiss, and you're thumbing through the Kiss records in Caldor in the record section on vinyl. It just fits. It's perfect. And it fits because it doesn't fit. And, and uh-huh. it's shocking and weird. And, and most of all, I think why I adore it is because it is so New York. And, and uh, as, a native, as a New York City native and a diehard Kiss fan, there's, it's that marriage between the gritty early New York City vibe of those first thre- first three records, combined with that imagery, is just perfection, it, and and it works so well with the music. Matt Porter, I gotta agree with all that. I mean, first of all, I mean, I'm, if anybody's looking for great diversity and kind of bashing this album, you're not gonna get it from me. Uh, this is one of my top five albums of all Kiss albums. Uh, the cover, I mean, it's funny when you when you know that it came from that shoot where they wanted to have them going into the phone booth or whatever and uh, coming out on the other side as superheroes or Kiss is that it does stick out because 
you would think at the time they're trying so hard to have this big look and here they are in suits and and i found this album after i already had destroyer and rock and roll over so it's like where's the armor you know where's the where are these costumes and you look at these and you say well it's it's why are they dressed like people you know but yet with the makeup it's yeah it's just a fantastic cover you know and i really i love this album so we're you know certainly going to talk about that craig cohen the thing i really love about this album cover is as a kid i'd look at this cover and say wow these are guys that don't have alter egos this is them in their street clothes and if you went you know grocery shopping on sunday morning you might catch paul stanley uh you know pushing his cart down the aisle you know dressed in street clothes but with the paint on so <laughs> that was the coolest thing to me as as a kid and and like gary said it, it really is such an iconic uh cover and it's if i really had to break it down it's, it's probably one of my favorite covers that wasn't done by ken kelly wow that is an amazing uh bit of thinking i i never would have thought that this is how kiss walked around in their everyday clothes that that is so cool i've never heard anyone say that before has, has yeah, any- it's a it's a great uh I, I never thought of that either and it's such a great idea and a great image just that 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 notion of them uh uh you know like plain plain clothes kiss but they're still kiss you know that's that is awesome chris Karam. i remember getting this at <clears throat> age 11 and of course you know while I'm grooving to the music, grooving because it was the 70s, you know, just looking at that that image, and I don't want to say iconic because iconic is so overused these days, but it was definitely a defining image as far as their album covers went. And, you know, just the embossed logos on the side and everything, and the whole black and white thing just kind of gave a little bit of mystique, and, you know, it looked funny just to see them in those clothes. And then, you know, seeing later on in Cream Magazine in that Cream Special Edition where they had that photo comic, and uh, it was just a very cool... Thing to discover. I mean, this is fairly early on in my, uh, you know, collecting of Kiss albums, so it certainly made an impression, and it's an album that still holds up to this day. It's one of the, definitely one of the great albums as far as the early stuff goes. BJ Cramp. Yeah, it's a great cover, and I actually went to that very street corner um, last summer when I was in New York. I flew to New York to see the Wild Hearts, and um, I went on a little Kiss tour, and the original loft is also on 23rd Street, but it's a long walk. <laughs> I found out the hard way how far you have to walk to get from the loft to this street corner, but it was worth it. You know, I just took some pictures, and it was just cool to go there. But it was kind of hard to figure out <laughs> the exact angle they were at, you know, from what it looks like now compared to back then. But right. it was really cool. My thoughts on the album cover, well, I, I guess that there's a tiny bit of history here. This This was my first Kiss album that I've ever heard. Prior to uh, getting alive and having it be such a revelation, this this was given to me on 8-track by my neighbor. And I thought it was okay, but he gave me like probably 11 8-tracks. In that was Aerosmith and all these other bands. And I remember looking at the cover of the 8-track, if you will, which is like a little tiny square for those of you who never experienced the 8-track uh, experience, if you will. I didn't know what this was. I didn't really understand that Kiss was a band that wore leather, fire, blood, darkness, and all that. I just thought, like, what is this? You know, because you look at that album cover, and it could be like anything. I didn't even know that the band wore makeup at the time. This was before I started reading, like, Cream Magazine and things like that. So I didn't know 
whether this was any different than a Led Zeppelin album cover with like a girl laying on rocks. You know, it it it, it had no real. Uh, the, the the symbol did not mean kiss to me, if you will, at that point. I didn't know what it was, and it didn't really stand out from the other 10 or 11 8 tracks that I was given. You know, Ted Nugent and so on and so forth, Black Sabbath. And so I'm, like, going through all these albums, like, in a span of, like, a week period, just, like, ingesting all this coolness. And Kiss was great, it was fun, but it didn't grab me like Alive did. But it, it's so weird when you when I look at this album cover, and I remember looking at that small picture trying to make sense of this album cover over the other ones. Like, I, it, it just didn't make sense to me what it was about. Does that... Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. that makes sense. I mean, because there's nothing... I don't know, unlike maybe Destroyer or... Uh, yeah, like Destroyer screams, this is Kiss. This right. is the concept. Yeah. The music on Dress to Kill doesn't necessarily say this is a, an otherworldly fantasy rock band. Right. So it was it was kind of a bit of a weird experience, and as enjoyable as it was, the album really made a lot more sense to me when I heard Alive. But I feel that way about the first three Kiss albums. Of which I have to say, this is my favorite. The, 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 another just real quick thing about the cover. Um, I'm sure people have noticed periodically on Kiss FAQ, Kiss FAQ, one of the threads that keeps popping up, different people will start it, is you know something like, is this the scariest picture of Gene? Or post the scariest picture of Gene? Or is this the definitive picture of the demon? Uh-huh. And, and oftentimes it goes back to the Alive 2 picture, which is you know pretty hard to argue with. But I'll tell you something, if you flip... <laughs> If you flip Dress to Kill over and you look at the picture that's the, the, the negative. Oh, yeah. Right? That that reversed black and white uh, image of, of Kiss, that one, that one of Gene Simmons, boy, does he look terrifying. Yes, he does. I was going to say, I thought Gary was going to mention the fact that up in the top right corner there, the uh, the second S in Kiss is cut off, because I know that was mentioned oh, on the FAQ. That's right, yeah. That's right. The, now, what, now, what does that mean? Back in the 70s, everything had a meaning. Uh, it means it means uh, it means Ace is dead. Well, there you go. <laughs> and it's so weird because why not? What are you talking about? Okay, if you look on the the right side along the the uh, along Gene's side of the album, if you look, you see Kiss. Son of a bitch! I never noticed that. I'm I looking didn't at either, it right Matt, until it was pointed out about a, a couple months ago. Wow! Isn't that weird? I think Come your eye sort impressed. of fills in the blank. Right. I mean, I was going to say, I love how the letters are embossed, and I'm sitting here actually running my fingers over the album cover. I never, ever noticed that until you guys pointed that out. Boy, this is why I listen to this podcast. There we go. You know what? That it, It's missing the, the last S. that You leave right. off the last S for savings. That's what it is. Holy mackerel. Well, you learn something new every day. I saw an ad that you could buy this album for three ninety nine on album. And four ninety nine on eight track. I don't know why you paid an extra dollar to take it in your car. I guess that was the thinking at the time. Please understand, folks, that this album is only thirty minutes and seven seconds long. We're probably going to get two whole episodes out of it. The album was so short that they actually added extra long pauses between each track to create the illusion that the sides were longer than they actually were. That was so annoying. I had this first on cassette when I was a kid, and uh-huh. the pauses are really long. I thought they were leaving recovery time because each song just, <laughs> you got your ass kicked. Like, like your, your ass was rocked so hard. That's it. That it's like you needed a triage unit to survive. 
But you know yeah. what, Ken? Like, how out of the ordinary was this? Because if you look at, like, the early Van Halen, Halen albums, those are all, I think, like, Van Halen 2, isn't that, like, 28 minutes long? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, they, they should yeah. not have been self-conscious about how short the album was, but for some reason they were. Each side ran just 15 minutes. And some of the song times were listed incorrectly on the vinyl versions. For example, Two Timer was listed at 2 minutes and 59 seconds, and Lady in Waiting is listed at 2 minutes and 47 seconds. So it's kind of weird. The cover depicts Kiss in business suits. The only member of the band who actually owned a suit was Peter Chris. The suits worn on the cover by the rest of the band were owned by manager Bill O'Coin. The original vinyl release of the album also had the Kiss logo embossed around the picture. The photograph of... The photograph of the band on the album cover was taken on the southwest corner of 23rd Street and 8th Avenue, looking north in New York City. Peter, you gotta, you gotta get a suit. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. That was I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it's gonna it's making the show, Jack. What are you talking about? No, no, you got it. No, no, it's in. It's in. It's in. It's in. Dan, did anybody else know that the one of the S's and kisses cut off? Oh, I don't remember. The album was released on March nineteenth, nineteen seventy-five, and it was recorded in February nineteen seventy-five at Electric Ladyland Studios. And of course, the producer is Neil Bogart. Now, I think that this album. Out of the original three, the original trilogy of Kiss albums, if you will. This this one is the Rodney Dangerfield of the first three, don't you guys think? Oh, right on. Because the, the best songs probably are on, I guess, Kiss. Would you guys say that? Yeah. And then Hotter Than Hell is just, like, amazingly I awesome. No, without a doubt, Dress to Kill is my favorite of all yeah. the Kiss albums. Right. So, But, like, I'm thinking about when... For whatever reason, people gripe about the bad production on Hotter Than Hell. Just imagine if if it if Hotter Than Hell sounded like this. Oh my God! That it would be, be yeah, amazing. Incredible. Actually, yeah. I'm not sure if that would work though. Really? Yeah, and that's the kind of that's what I kind of love about those early Kiss albums is the production sort of suited the material. And I don't know. I I, I don't know if I can picture listening to a track like Hotter Than Hell. Strange like parasite with dress to kill production. I would have loved to have uh, tried it at least. Yeah, I know what you mean though, I, Craig. Just to be, you know, just to sort of hold up that side of the argument is is it, it something? There has to be something sludgy about uh, hotter than hell for it to work. You know, strange ways. Strange ways would sound, you know, maybe too um, what too polished or something. If it was, if it was produced like ladies in waiting. It would but at the same time, I feel like you know that. I don't know, like da da dum, blap blap da da dum. You know, for a two timer, mm-hmm. still has that heavy, heavy stomping sound. Yeah. Uh, I, even I, though it's not sludgy like the production on Hotter Than Hell. I love your uh, drum that you just made. Your plata plata. That was a cool. <laughs> it wasn't that the name of your band in high school? Plata plata. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's right. Like I said, this is the Rodney Dangerfield of of these albums because I think that that's the level of respect that it gets from a lot of Kiss fans. It seems like they just love Hotter Than Hell. Kiss fans seem to love that album so much. And the, 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 the song selection that comes from the first album just seems like it's it's iconic. This one seems to get the short end of the stick. 
in, in okay, but here's opinion. the thing. I, honestly, th- isn't that because some of that is because we've been told or programmed? I'm not arguing with the material on the first Kiss record. Mm-hmm. Th- there's not a for me. There's not a moment on that record I would throw away. It's it's perfection, top to bottom, including Kiss and Time. I, I dare say. Uh, <laughs> he dare say. Yeah, I, I dare I, say. And. The the reason why Dress to Kill gets a bad rap, I think, is partly because we're we're told that it gets a bad rap. We're told that the production is bad, and we're and and also they don't play enough of that music anymore. But man, if they, I wish you know if they if they played more of the music from Dress to Kill, I I think we would all be saying, man, this is the this is the gem. I think that this is going to be the year of Dress to Kill because if you look at the Kiss Cruise. Between the ad campaign for John Vervatos and all that, it seems like uh, we might hear a lot of this album being played. Well, I'm hoping they play the whole darn thing. They've played the whole darn thing live. This lineup has has done what no lineup did before. You know, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's rocked an entire record, but not in order in one performance. Right. Well, Paul basically said in in that one Q and A that they're going to do a show on the cruise in the suits. Right. Oh, so oh, that is, so then that's that would be, be the awesome. moment to do the whole album, <laughs> you know. That's gonna be it. awesome. Film it, do some overdubs afterwards, release it as a DVD, uh, a Blu-ray, even better. And I'm on it. You know, do you think that one of the reasons why maybe this album would get overlooked is this is also they are not writing really as the characters yet. You know what I mean? Like, like people, if they hooked on when Kiss got really big with Destroyer or Rock and Roll Over or certainly Love Gun, now they're writing to the characters. Gene is the demon and Paul, you know, everybody is much more defined. On this album, you know, you figure, I mean, really, would, would you think Gene would write a song now about being two-timed? I mean, yeah. now it would be line the girls up, I'll take that one, that one, that one. Yeah, yeah but, that's, but that's ladies in waiting. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying is when you, but two timer is he going to do? Two, is he yeah. going to have two timer on a new album? Like, that's like what I'm for example, the I last think they're time... writing more what's on their mind and less what's just you know the character. And I think that's why some of these songs. I mean, even when you go to side two, I mean, when we're talking "Lover All I Can" and anything for my baby, those are nice relationship songs. They're not necessarily typical. I'm going to bang everything in sight, rock star songs, if you will. Well, I yeah. think. I think when they were writing these songs, they were in such a hurry that they were just having fun writing right. the songs, and they weren't taking themselves seriously, and they didn't have a goal in mind, like you're saying, writing to the characters. And I mean, you can hear in Paul Stanley's songs that he just had fun writing some poppy songs, and I think that's why I like it so much. Right. Well, there's a character that we've talked about before on this show um, that my friend Charlie calls the Happy Demon, and the Happy Demon is uh, Gene Simmons. It's it's the demon from 1973 through the end of the Alive era. Mm-hmm. And you can see him in, I mean, he's, he's present in almost all the promotional photographs and whatnot, and especially during that uh, Winterland concert. You watch the Winterland concert, he's smiling, oh, yeah. leering. Mm-hmm. It's creepy, mm-hmm. but he's smiling. I think and, he's and, even creepier. Yeah, more oh, cool. smiling. Much, yeah, much, much like, creepier. One of my favorite Gene Simmons pictures of all time, I remember seeing it in a magazine gene in a wheelchair making this weird sardonic grin and he looked like come here little girl you know he just just what about the ones in a you know uh headliners kiss that that book headliners kiss yeah Yeah. right 
Remember that book? It, th- there's that pictures book. in there, the old, old black and white pictures from like the Hotter Than Hell Dressed to Kill era, where he's like looking at you through his open legs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's like, that's the happy demon. Creepy, creepy bastard, but that's the happy demon. And the happy demon, I feel like that guy writes uh, Two Timer and Ladies in Waiting and, and uh, you know, etc. Absolutely. Mm. Well, one one last thing about this cover, and we're going to get into actually discussing the music at some point, folks. Uh, but uh, it's sad to think that this cover could never be duplicated again. And I don't mean in a John Varvatos shoot, but sadly, this is the, the to me this is the end of a certain kind of kiss. Oh, totally. Right at the end, after Alive came out. And they regrouped and said, okay, now we're going to be KISS. What is KISS? They redefined what KISS was going to be. And at that point, Super KISS kind of started in a sense. Yep. Like you said earlier, Matt, this album doesn't have any armor on it. No studs, nothing like that. It's just a picture of four guys in suits. And it saddens me sometimes because I like creepy KISS. I like weird <laughs> KISS. And... Like the last one of the last weird pictures I remember seeing. Remember during the reunion time, and there was a picture of Kiss like on a bus with a bunch of really old. I know that was in the uh, Spin magazine. Yeah, and I'm like, this should have been an album cover. That would have been killer because just just the. I mean, I've always thought it would be cool. Like instead of monster, just think if this is not a great idea or anything and I'm not saying that it is but imagine if instead of that just generic picture of Kiss if there would have been a picture of them sitting in a diner with normal old fat young people you know one girl making a blowing a big bubble and one kid's just sitting there with like a slingshot then another kid doing something else and then mom's reading a newspaper it back in the old days we would have looked at that paper and tried to figure out what the band was saying well i'll tell you you know what what i'm saying no absolutely and i think that um you know it it, it could have been cool if you'd just gotten kind of regular people in it you know i love this idea like on a bus or in a diner and they all look grumpy Mm-hmm. For some reason, like you know, they all look kind of grumpy, or maybe they're all just reading crappy headlines or doing nasty things, like lighting up a cigarette, or you know, or like drinking drinking from a paper bag or something. And yeah, and then the, you know, and then you get the twist of like, oh, who's the monster? You know? Yeah, which one of these people are the monsters? Yeah. Well, see, now we're over we're overthinking it. I know, and I'm guilty no, of that, but, but see, like, but I see, love where you're going with that. That that to me would have been a much cooler concept. Well, Ken, we've said this before. They need us to work for them. You know, we need to yeah. make these ideas. You know. I know, but I, I to me, I liked it when Kiss was a little bit weird and this was also the end of the rock and roller this was the last real album where we had like the chuck berry type chunka 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 kind of thing and then we got into being super kiss so you know well although we get we get a little bit of that back for um love gun you and i have talked about how that's like this is you know homage to motown yeah 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 but anyway yes you're right this is the end of an era yeah so this is the end of an era, and I think we should start discussing the album because we're going to have been talking about the cover and the concept longer than the actual album is. So. 
The albums that set off a rock and roll explosion. First there was Kiss. Then Hotter Than Hell. Then Dressed to Kill. The fire, the frenzy, the fantastic rise of the Kiss Army. The three albums that caused a rock revolution are now especially priced in a historic three-record set with an exclusive Kiss history book and more. Kiss, the originals. Get yours today. Don't miss the sensational all-new KISS show. The smoke, the flames, the exploding sound and fury of KISS. Saturday, July 10th at Roosevelt Stadium. All right, well, let's start off side one with track one. Craig Cohen, please take room service. Uh, this is funny because Matt was talking about the, the change in songwriting styles. And this is just a really funny story uh, song because I'm not sure many people can relate to this and this sort of shows where Paul was at the time on the road a lot and you know the fact that he was able to build a, ro- a song around the concept of of ordering room service even if you know that is sort of a code for, for sex um, it's pretty funny but the other thing about this song for me is there's a lot of songs on this album that the choruses are kind of weak but the verses are so so strong and for me this is one of those songs, and I think it speaks to the fact that they were really in a pinch in terms of generating material. But also, I, I, I do love the, the production on this album, and this is a great indicator of, of what we have to look forward to. I just think the, the, the separation of the band on this album is so great, and if you're into picking out details, especially yes. uh, a particular instrument that you want to focus on, you can really hear what Ace is doing and what Paul's doing and, you know, the guitar work and the interplay between that. And I think this is one of the strongest albums when it comes to just guitars really working together without playing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, man, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I have people people do complain about this record as having no bottom end or it's thin or I don't know what, like, like this disagree. isn't a funk band. Like this, like, this is not the Brothers Johnson. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't need a big, you know, booming bass or something. Everything is crystal, crystal clear, uh-huh. and and that hard panning right to left of the two guitars is oh, like perfect. It's not like it's a ton of gain either. It's not getting lost in like tons of distortion, and oh. it's a shame that bands can't really record like that anymore. You know, because music fans expect a certain, you know, a Marshall turned all the way up sound on albums now. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, Matt Porter. Well, see, that's what I was going to say, is I think in a way, because they were recording so fast, and because they're recording before you could do 99 tracks of guitar, the reason why you can really hear everything is because it's such a stripped-down album. You know, you're hearing everything because there's not that many hidden or layered tracks of stuff and and i think that really for me and it goes back to i think these first couple albums the reason why i love them so much this is absolutely kiss this is before they're starting to bring in outside writers i mean other than steve coronel on the one you know on she other than that Uh it's all gene paul ace writing the songs it's all them doing the background vocals the lead vocals and you're hearing it because there's just not that much you know it's they didn't go with some huge production and i mean look maybe neil bogart was a genius i mean they always talk about the producers of kiss but i think the sound of this that's exactly what you're saying is like you can really hear everything 
Love the song, too. I mean, obviously, if we're going song by song, I think uh, this does talk about where they were at at the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's in some ways, it's very early on in their career. And, you know, you're still hoping that, you know, the, for the fantasy of having girls in the, you know, you're having a, a room full of girls. I always like when Paul says, you know, we went out and we were hoping for uh, women and we started settling for girls. You know, it's uh, it's I think that's, you know, part of where they were at the time. And I will note, on a side note, there is a video somewhere of me singing this with a great band called Chainsaw Jane at the Cell Block in Ben Salem many years ago. And almost none of you listening will even know any of those references. But if you do, you're good. Wow. You ever notice that the riff on this is kind of similar to Flaming Youth? Or, or yes. even if you listen to Mad Dog, there's a similar kind of a groove to it? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. This is almost like a more amped up, faster version of it. Yeah. Excellent point. And Matt, if you if you get me that audio, I'll play it on the show. I'll find it. All right. Awesome. All right, we're going to do another one that I hope you know. It's an old Kiss tune, so I want to get a couple of friends up here to sing along. All right, Tommy from the band Christine. Come on out, buddy. And also my brother, who is a superstar in his own right. Get on up here. This is a song called Room Service. Rest to Kill is easily the best sounding of the first three albums, as has been discussed before. It's got a crisp, punchy sound, obviously a major step up from Hotter Than Hell. Uh, Dress to Kill almost has a sort of punkish energy to it. I mean, I would never mm-hmm. class Kiss as punk or alternative, but it, this, if they, if they were, this would be the album. And Room Service just gets it started right in, in that vein because it's so fast, it's so direct, it's so... I mean, this is a band that I don't know if they knew that they were on the verge of hitting the big time, but this is a band that's young, hungry, and they want it. This song conveys that so well. Going back to when I first heard it when I was 11, I literally thought that this was a song about Paul in his hotel room after the gig and he wanted a cheeseburger. Well, you, <laughs> you know, were younger. You know, room and I, 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 that's literally what I thought. And only recently did I find out that it may be about something else. I'm, I'm shocked and chagrined, but I'm not going to let that color my 11-year-old memories of the song. I mean, it's just it's it starts this album off so well. And like I said, if you were going to class any Kiss album as punk or punkish, this would be the one. 
it's very NYC and it's and and stands up right next to the Ramones and other things of that of that genre, you know. Mm-hmm. BJ. Yeah, I think this record sounds great. Um, the the guitars sound great, and Paul talks about Ace having a, a amp in a cardboard box that he built. And I I think Paul says the guitar sound in this album really came down to Ace. Mm-hmm. I think the drums sound great. You know, I just think the production is great, and you know. I don't know. I'm not sure what percentage of the production would go to Neil Bogart and what percentage was just the band producing themselves. It sounds great, and this is a great song. It's a great '70s rock sounding song, just a fun, bouncy tune. You know, just it's just fun. You know, who would try to take it seriously? But I wanted to mention. Uh, I don't know if you guys know the Onion on their yes. website. They on the, in the AV Club they have this thing called Hate Song, yes. where they ask people to say the the one song they hate most in the world, right? And John Worcester, who was the drummer in Superchunk, a band I love, he picks this song as the oh. one song he hates most in the world, <laughs> which I actually tweeted at him. I said, so you hate that song more than every Color Me Bad song? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, what the fuck? But, Justin Bieber. <laughs> right. But... uh <laughs> I wanted to say, though, when I was a kid, I thought the lyrics to this song were just as I'm about to take my coat and zip my fly. <sighs> I thought that for years. For years, I thought that was the lyric until... It really was. works. It, it could have been. Yeah. It's great. <sighs> yeah. Wait, you mean it's not? <laughs> uh, you know, people want to talk about this the scary demon or the happy demon or whatever this is a bass plan demon right here what a bouncy fun bass riff he's not he's not slacking there so gary any thoughts from you what a perfect song just perfect you know it's it's everything a kiss song should be i i re- it, it's terrible but i remember when uh, psycho circus was being made uh-huh. that i would listen to this record and i would in particular listen to this song and i would i would think to myself oh please 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 let um, Kiss use this as the template, you know, where they go back to this kind of thing. I want, I want whatever new Kiss record comes out to begin with a song that, you know, no, it doesn't have to be a big. I love Psycho Circus. I love the song Psycho Circus. Uh-huh. It's a great declaration of who Kiss is and being at a Kiss concert and all that stuff. But I was really praying that they would just do a song that wasn't a declaration of anything, right? And was and was just um, this vibe of fun, and yeah, you know, we had to wait for it, but they gave it to us on Sonic Boom. Well, yeah, but Gary, I think that, or or I will discuss or argue that Kiss's early declarations of who Kiss were were not uh, pontificated in a song. They just were. Yep. And yeah, you want to tell people who you are? Well, go 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 behave like yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I mean, if you're talking Sonic Boom and Monster, I think you can draw straight lines between Rock Bottom and Long Way Down, mm-hmm. or Room Service and Take Me Down Below. I mean, it's you know. Yes. It's not hard to figure that out. It's the same kind of job incentive, I guess. At the end of the day. So. Now this album was basically written in the studio, if you will. Uh, basically, they came to them and said, "Hey, you guys are recording an album. What? We don't have any songs." So. Uh, Room Service, written by Paul Stanley during the studio sessions. Little needs to be said about a song which is so obviously about life on the road. Paul summed up the lifestyle that the road has provided. We had cassette players next to our bed. We listened to rock music. We had girls around us all the time. We hung out at the Rainbow Club. We either ate room service or in diners. 
So there you go. It, it wasn't there something I think in uh, in Paul's autobiography where he talks about you know Brian uh, um, Brian Wilson had never been on a surfboard. Yeah, yeah. Right when he wrote uh, all that surf music for the Beach Boys, but you know, unlike that, this was the life Kiss was 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 living. next song is two-timer gary why don't you take this one i'm gonna be real boring when it comes to talking about any of the songs in this record because here's what i'm gonna say it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing you could just every like one after another i feel like these songs are just classics and two-timer no exception i love the riff is this is this one of the ones on the record that has the the um the acoustic guitar in the background as well i think a lot of the songs do it's kind it kind of gives it a, a an extra tone you know, it's, 
Oh, I love that. I mean, I, I, I'd love to hear that again on a Kiss record, but yeah, it's just, mm. ah, two-timers, great, great riff, great lyrics, dumb, fun, they didn't overthink it, great guitar solo, real, really simple, just, mm, it's great. What more could you ask for? Well, what blows my mind is that you have this, like, almost Sabbath-type riff. Yeah. Like, where it goes from that Sabbath-type riff to a, and then it, like, speeds up almost. She thinks she's a fast. You know what I mean? It, I think it's it's a really cool juxtaposition, if you will, how it just kind of smoothly goes in. And I, I don't think that they could write this song if they wanted to again. BJ, your thoughts? Yeah, this is quite possibly my favorite Gene Simmons song. Uh, I love this song. I've always loved it. You know, Dress to Kill was the first Kiss album I remember really getting into when I was like 12 or 13, and I taped it off my friend Nick's record. Wow. And, and this is the first Kiss album I remember just listening to over and over and over. And I think it really shaped a lot of my music, my taste in music going forward, and my obsession with 70s rock, because to me this is just a quintessential 70s rock album. It just sounds like 70s rock to me. And two-timer, I think Craig said that you know, talked about the verse melodies being better than the chorus melodies, and like this is an example. I love the melody of the verse so much; it's so much fun. I mean, the chorus is great too, but I really love the verse of this song. It's so catchy, and I just, you know, it's a really simple, basic '70s rock song, which I love. You know, it's just great. It's called Two Timer.
not to love, Chris Karam. Love the guitar tone. Love pretty much everything about it. And you know, beyond that, I really don't have a lot to say. It's just Gene. It's there's a nice um, attack in his vocals. It's not quite like the Demon. And, and like you say, this was before they had defined the characters and everything. So you're getting kind of a Gene that you wouldn't get. You know, maybe a year, two years out. But uh, I love it. Matt Porter. Yeah, I think really Gene's vocals, especially on these early albums, are so fantastic because he's still really singing more than, you know, and I think, you know, more so than he's not being the growling demon yet. He is singing. I always like to try and think of what inspired the songs. You know, I'd love to know, was there a girl particularly that cheated on him that he would write this about? Is it a fantasy, fictional kind of a thing, whatever? I always thought that was kind of interesting is, you know, as you got older and you look back on this and you go, wow, like who is cheating on the demon? And, uh, <laughs> but these damn bitches, right? Come on. So it's like, uh, you know, a great song. I think very out of, out of character with a lot of other Gene songs, but fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. One thing I'd like to mention right now, uh, anybody that's not listening to Pods and Sods, you need to check out the latest Pods and Sods episode analyze like, kiss you mean yes, war. yes. Analyze all over war. your face yeah you? there is an episode the the one they did about move on oh my god was hilarious where baby <laughs> paul baby paul is talking yeah, yeah um pods and sods just put up analyze kiss dance all over your face and you need to check it out it is hilarious it, it is it's the whole episode is discussing that song they also, yeah, they do also did burn bitch burn and move which on is obvious. and and move on and it's it's and uh, two sides of the coin it really is hilarious it's move on is the funniest one though which you wouldn't expect but yeah uh, because uh, burn bitch burn is so ripe <laughs> but yeah. move on is hilarious Check out, check it out. Hello, Craig. Well, and, you know, and Craig from Pods and Sods is probably one of the only people that'll listen to this that's going to get my cell block reference from earlier. So, hey, Craig. Hey, Craig. Craig. Hi, Craig. Yeah, when they do the Monkeys podcast, it's like, hi, Craig. I'm Craig. So, Pods and Sods. Get Who got caught? Pods and Sods. Get down. You can't stop the music, you bastards. Christ, yes. <laughs> this one uh, is one I remember from the lyric sheet as a child. At the ripe old age of 10 or 11, even I looked at this with a raised eyebrow and said, wow, this guy has had, you know, this guy's have some serious problems with women. Right. This is a song that you don't want to quote on a first date. Or any date. Or any date or post-marriage. I'm talking about Dance All Over Your Face from the Lick It Up LP. Right. Written by Gene Simmons. May I? Please. Baby. You know, Gene does this often. He, he, the, these songs where he's <laughs> one word just in. Absolutely. Yeah. Just absolutely like ripping this woman apart. A lot of babe used. But it, yeah, he's trying to take the sting off. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. work in this one. No. Okay. No, it's going to get a lot worse. <laughs> How familiar are you with this song? A little bit. You know, I can okay. sing maybe along the chorus. That's probably about it. Okay. Well, we'll see if we get that far. Baby, I know it's a jungle out there. Well, if you can play it cool, I can play it debonair. Wow. Right? This is a, a little maturity for a Gene lyric, right? right. It, sounds like, it sounds like the topic is going to elevate. You're opening up well. Yeah, it's gonna. This is gonna be a bit lofty. This is not the Gene Concept. Simmons of Plastercaster or um, 
tunnel of love. There's right. no innuendo here. There's no... We're setting up for a story. It's a jungle out there. In here... Right. You're cool. I'm debonair. Right. Let's see where this goes, classy people. Right. You were warm, but there was an inner ice, and it was like a rolling dice. Mm. I get the impression that this is just put in there for rhyming effect. He he wanted to do the rolling dice, and all of a sudden, dice, ice, warm. Exactly. Well, you were warm, but there was an inner ice. Like, right. I, I see that backwards craft you were warm but there was an inner ice right you know that that you know how that comes about anything to say about that leading you know as it's brilliant he ties into cool you were cool inner ice right all right see where he's going world dichotomous we all have you know yeah yeah well i told you once i told you twice Uh hey listen babe oh there's trouble in paradise okay escalating a little bit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this this is taking a weird turn. All right, so we don't know. There's trouble in paradise. We don't know what he has told her. And what is the trouble? Right. Are we going to find out? And were they both in this paradise together? Right. Is this a, is this a, entirely I, a construct of his I would assume. I would assume that trouble in paradise would be for them. I don't know this. Right. Line by line. Or like they're at a party and like armed robbers show up. Right. Now we might <laughs> what we might find out what happens in this next stanza. It's going to be troublesome, though. It is. Well, I found a lipstick stain of your kiss. Well, you can sink your teeth into this, bitch. Whoa! Right? Wow! You don't throw bitch out like that very often. No. I mean, I, I understand the anger. Craig Cohen. For me, this song it seems like a lyrical cousin, if you will, of "She's So European" for some reason. Oh my In God. my fantasy universe, where Kiss put out all kinds of weird forty fives, you had this as the A side, and then "She's So European" as the B side. <laughs> awesome! That's a trip. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. I gotta jump in on that because you know, say what you will about Kiss on Mass, say what you will about the cover of that record. The reason that works for me. Is because that comic book and that lyrical content, like she's so European, that is the stuff about the band that made Dress to Kill, right? You know, I know that they were a different band. I know it was a different time, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that another time. We've talked about it before. But that co- that comic book captures what I wanted this band to be like when they made music like Two-Timer. Well, when you think about it, the Dress to Kill album cover is not far from the cover that you see on uh, Unmasked, like Craig Cohen was saying earlier, that it was Kiss like you could see Kiss on the street corner. And in that Unmasked album cover, they're basically just going around, you know, that's right. That's right. as as Masked Kiss in street clothes. So never put that connection together. Is everybody ready to rock and roll?
Matt Porter, ladies in waiting. Well, again, that rock star fantasy, we talked about it a little bit earlier, you know, the idea that you're going to line them up and pick who you want. I always kind of thought of this as like they were going to a club or, you know, and again, it's kind of a theme that we're talking about. I picture that they were going to a club in their kiss makeup and, uh, you know, there was all these girls and, and the, depending on what age I was, they were wearing different kind of outfits. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, certainly one of the reasons why you learn to play guitar is so that they're all lined up and you can move down the line. <laughs> Chris Karam? This is a great song. Uh, right after the first chorus, there's this part where they multi-track the lead guitars to the point where it's like almost, you're almost putting your hands over your ears, but at the same time, it's this glorious build-up. And um, again, it's just a great song, but again, when I was 11, I literally pictured Gene pushing a cart around the grocery store, checking out the meat. <laughs> you know, needless to say, it took a while for me to kind of figure this stuff out, but what a, what a great song, though. It's just, just again, punkish kind of energy. It just, it's, there's an attack to the, to everything about it. This album really goes for the jugular in a way that I don't think any other Kiss album before or since has done. And this is one of those songs that, uh, they should do live more often. I mean, that, that um, version that they do on Kobo Hall, the uh, alternate one from Kissology, uh-huh. I mean, Gene's like practically like screaming at you to, to listen to this song when he sings. Yeah. But uh, great song, great song. And I love that really cool uh, tapping guitar kind of thing. Gary, could you give us an idea of what that sounds like, that that thing yeah that's that's all i needed from you because you like you know you said blata blata so i figured the greatest hits of kiss as re-recorded acapella gary oh, shaller God. style oh, you just do all the different parts black up black up black up craig <laughs> cohen not counting co-writes this is the best gene song on the album in my opinion I love the, the the feel of this song in terms of when it starts, there's like an airiness around it in terms of how open it sounds. That The guitar sounds just about as, as perfect as I want a guitar to sound. Um, the drums are great, and I think Ace's lead breaks on this song are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Where's the hammer-ons and pull-offs, I guess, right? Yes, it's just, it's, yes. It's, it's, he does it all over the record, and it's great. BJ. So, Craig, I think that was kind of a convoluted way of saying you like this song more than Two Timer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love this song, but I think it's a testament to how great this album is that this is probably my least favorite song on the record. But, you know, to say it's my least favorite doesn't really make sense because I think it's a great song. It's just a great record. This is a fun song, but I picture Gene Simmons sitting down on the floor in the studio and writing these lyrics in about five minutes and then standing up and recording them, you know? Yeah. I don't know how much effort went into into the lyrics and you know i think he even says ladies in waiting was just one of his things he had scribbled in a notebook you know so he had the music page through the notebook oh ladies in waiting write the lyrics that's it done on the other (laughs) hand it's it's a great song on the other hand they were told to hey guys you're making a new album and like less than a week later they were recording it so you know you know it kind of makes sense one of the things i love about this album is the difference in Kiss's singing. I don't think we ever heard it quite like this again. Like, if you listen to Room Service, Paul's almost doing, like, a Little Richard kind of a thing. You know what I'm talking about? He, he's just, like, over the top and kind of out of character for Paul because later he, he... Paul really doesn't sing in that 
high, goofy kind of voice again. You know, he got into that, like, Baby, now that you've made up your mind. You know, but, which is, I'm sorry, I inflicted that. No, I know what anybody. you mean. He's he's either crooning or he's screaming. Yeah. But on this one, he's he's uh, he's testifying. And yes! It's almost like he's, he's singing at you the way that he talks at you. Well, like, you... You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. You know, like, so when I say Little right. Richards, that, that's what I'm referring to, that, you know, the girl can't help it kind of stuff. Fun, fun. And uh, we're going to hear in this next track some great screaming rock and roll singing. And it, it, it is, of course, Getaway with Peter Chris on lead vocal, written by Mr. Ace Fraley. And Matt Porter, why don't you take this one? Again, I mean, the vocals, what you're just talking about, the fact that Peter's vocals are on fire. I mean, he sounds great. Gene and Paul doing the background vocals. I think this is really, I think it's something I miss as the albums go on and on, is that these songs where everybody's singing together. Yes, yes. You know, and and it's a huge missing element as they kind of kept going. And it's sad. It's something that even now, I mean, look, everybody can say what they want, a kiss reunion, this and that and the other, that mix of those voices are, that's kiss to me. And I mean, when I listen to something like this, first of all, I love the idea of getaway. Look, I need a vacation too. I I think this is one of those, (laughs) my go-to songs when I really feel like kind of burned out, you you know, you, I got to get away. I love that. But I mean, regardless of that, I think just the sound of this, the sound of the vocals, really defines what I think if I said look this is what kiss should sound like this is what kiss should sound like so and and I love the uh, the screaming uh, vocal interplay yeah like uh, G- you, you you hear Gene and Paul you know gotta 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 get away and then people get away get away you know yeah. I just think that is oh, yeah. so awesome and all of their voices so distinct yep. and everybody was singing in some ways it makes you, can you even think hear Ace when they, as well. well they wanted to be the Beatles yes where everybody sang and this is that version of Kiss that was the heavy metal Beatles or whatever and no then, doubt about it and, and then right at the very end oh you gotta get away <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Shaggy or Scooby Doo. So it's me, Scoob. They're making a new Kiss album. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Greg Cohen. Little Monte Casey case in there. Yes. Greg Cohen. Uh, Hands down for me, the most underrated Ace song in the entire Kiss catalog. It's just a a great all-around song, and I think it's great to see an Ace song that wasn't really as branded as some of the other th- songs that he wrote. Um, you know, a, a casual listener might not even grab the fact that this is an Ace, you know, mm-hmm. song. Yep. You know, whereas some of the other songs you hear them and you say instantly, oh, that's Ace, where I don't think this is one of those songs. And I, like I said, I think it's really his most un- underrated or underappreciated song. And it's a, a phenomenal vocal from Peter. I agree. Chris Karam? This is a fun song that just has a lot of energy and drive. It, it really keeps things moving along. And like you guys said, uh, the interaction, you know, both vocally and instrumentally between all the guys just just kind of propels it. And I guess it propels that kind of punkish energy that I was talking about earlier for this album. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's the most underrated Ace Frehley song. I, I didn't, didn't really think about that. But it's a great contribution to the album. It really gives Peter a chance to do those, you know, what Gene called the whiskey vocals or, yes. you know, the soul, kind of those soulful rock and roll vocals that Pete was, uh, you know, that was his trademark back in the day. It's, I love it. The band is just cooking 
on firing yeah. on all cylinders from the 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 interplay of the drums at the beginning da 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 and ding, ding, ding. it's just so cool how they do that and then this uh, lick that peter ends the song with that where it just i i should get gary Schaller to do the ridiculous drum sound effect gary what is it what is it at the very end yeah i know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. where it, it it just seems like it, he does like a oh god like a like a drill kind of thing it's just yep. really cool how he, he finishes it all up bj great song great 70s rock song great songwriting i think possibly peter chris's best vocal performance on any kiss song or my favorite at least and you know Paul talks in his book about how Peter had no sense of melody and they would have to coach him line by line how to sing a song, and I don't buy that at all. If you go and listen to Black Diamond or this song, I don't buy it. And all the live performances, too. I mean, right. y- you know, no one's coaching him on stage, and he nails it every time. Yeah. Every freaking time. Well, you got to realize that like the books are like, two, like four old women yep. crabbing <laughs> about one another. You know, it's one thing when you're like, it, 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 it's almost like talking about someone that you worked with 20 years ago. That's the way that the Kiss books are, and that's how I look at them. You want a good Kiss book? Or ki- you want a good Kiss autobiography or Kiss biography? You watch Houston 77. There you go. <laughs> and you won't get upset about anything.
But I like that song from the beginning. I thought it was awesome. I love Peter's, you know, you know, like talk about your Catman moment, right? But I'll tell you what, I liked the song a lot all all along, and and I went I went along thinking that he was singing uh, "Gotta Get Away," "Don't Want to Stay," "Leaving Tomorrow," "Find Some Way," like I'll find some way to get out of here. Yeah. And then within the past, gee, like five ten years, someone you know I wised up or someone hit me up to the fact that it was "Leaving Tomorrow" by Subway, right? By Subway, like I'm seriously. Gonna get out of here. On the subway. I thought it was. I always thought it was by some way. <laughs> it, it still is to me. I don't care what anyone says. That's I like, ridiculous. I think "Find Some Way" would have been a better lyric, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's well. Apparently, it's by Subway because you know. And, and really. Which, which, which from from which point forward, I Wait, didn't where, like the song anymore. I loved it. It like it just. Yeah, made, I don't. Like, I don't like that either. I'm going to continue. No, I loved it. Some way. No way, man. Because I'll tell you. I mean, I. You know, to each their own, but. It, it, I didn't like it anymore. I loved it because that—that that to me was like, of course, of course, it's by Subway. Yeah, but who told you that though? Who told, like Chris I, has I, Paul pulling his zipper up? I mean, yeah, but you can't get very far by Subway. Nah, it's, it, <laughs> where's he you know going? What? You can't. The you other can't borough. York, this is the <laughs> no. thing. You can't in New York City, and it's this is why. Look, this is why it's a genius lyric. Okay, in New York City, you can get anywhere by Subway. You yeah. can get anywhere to the five boroughs except Staten Island because that doesn't count. Don't worry about it. But like. Uh, but you could get just about anywhere by subway, and it is a vacation. If you're in the Bronx, you need a vacation. Go to Brooklyn. Fuck you. You don't go to like you don't need to go anywhere else. You know what I mean? And that to me was like the Kiss aesthetic of the time. That that record cover, that NYC vibe. They hadn't yet toured the world. They hadn't been out of the states really. And that idea of of like getting away by subway. You know, it's like you're still in New York City. Don't forget your roots. Take and a vacation, course, but you're still mean- like stay here. Yeah, uh, and and of course now it would be a tie-in t- with Subway sandwiches. So, <laughs> oh, yes, well, I'm going to tell you, Gary, I refuse to hear that line. I do not acknowledge Pick that those right are the now. I, I just did. Here, I'm looking, <laughs> but I refuse. I refuse to say that those are the lyrics, and here's why. There's a lot of places I could have been stuck, but I was stuck in Andover, Ohio, and it has its charms. But I knew that I'd have to get out of there some way, and I'd have to find a way. I'm leaving tomorrow. Find some way. So that's what the lyrics are to this Kiss fan. And I, I you know, I dig where you're coming from. It makes it a, in, a a New York thing. And this basically was, even though it was recorded elsewhere, this is the last, the last New York Kiss record in a sense. Does that make sense? I got no. I hear you. I hear you. And I'm and I'm looking up the lyrics. All right. Okay. I just gotta tell you. I'm I'm looking it up. I'm finding subway, subway, and then you know what? I found it. <laughs> I found it in Portuguese. Ruimbora amana de metro, which I believe is Portuguese for leaving tomorrow by subway. This show is not only is it informative, but it's educational. See, yep. look at that. This show should come out on a Saturday morning. It it doesn't. Anyway. <laughs> Oh wow! So the next I like, song I like to come on a Saturday morning. Oh, who doesn't? Uh, hey, oh. uh, All right. I um, like to come on a Saturday morning. Jinga, 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 blacka, 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 blacka. The Gary Shaler sound effects library will be available soon for your perusal. Yeah, I still think you should do like the acapella kiss song. Could you could you do that, Eric? Or Gary, could you do that? Bang 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 bang. 
This is Gary's recording the drum track right now. Listen. <laughs> uh, and now Rock Bottom, which is the last song on side one, Craig Cohen. It's funny that what really seems like the shortest song on the album is the second longest. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah. I mean, the bulk of this song is the acoustic intro, which is really, really great to listen to. And I wish on CD they were separate tracks. And it's funny that Kiss didn't go like the Black Sabbath route here and give it its own song title, even though it was part of, you know, Rock Bottom. But I, uh, I also really love when the song kicks in. I think it's a really kind of unique song in, in the fact that it, it really feels like half a song to me because so much of it is that acoustic intro. Wow, BJ? To me, the intro is just filler, plain and simple, and I would get rid of it, personally. Really? I don't like it there. Mm, yeah. No way! That Well, that's just my opinion. I would yeah, get rid I of guess. it. I just want it to go from getaway to rock bottom. I don't want the filler because, I mean... You know, they left the extra space between the songs. I believe they also put the instrumental in there just to make the album longer. Right. And, um, but Rock Bottom, the song, because I separate the intro and the song. I don't think of the intro as a part of the song. And if I make a mix, I get rid of that intro. <laughs> yeah, I got to go into uh, Audacity and edit it. I literally edit the intro out before I burn the CD with this song on it. <laughs> but the song Rock Bottom is a great punchy rock song you know i love it great paul stanley song well how how long is the song without this anyone ever do that it's got to be like a minute and a half <laughs> well let, let, let's check hold on a second. let me I... see if it's in my itunes 157 <laughs> wow <laughs> anyway. wow i never thought about that Matt, Matt Porter. Well, you know, see, I, I really like that little intro. In fact, while we're sitting here on our computers talking, I just actually sent a tweet to uh, Gene, Paul, and Ace that says, does the rock bottom intro have a name? That piece of music, does it have oh, a name? brilliant. Well, because here's the thing. Then when they're on double platinum, it's in front of she. Uh-huh. So is it the rock bottom intro in front of she, or is the she intro? On, you know, It just confuses your mind. For that <laughs> matter, what about the little tag at the end of let me know? Well, see, and that's the no, funny thing. When when they put out Destroyer, they renamed that little kind of weird mix beat, Rock and Roll Party or Rock and Roll. I think we talked about that on the, on the Resurrected episode. Like, this isn't its own track. So do, what do they refer to it as? Like, do they say, oh, that piece of music that BJ hates? Or do they just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I always like when you... They call it the skipper. Right, yeah. they, they hit the button. They call but it the, the skipper. The thing is when, um, when they... Uh, when you see a set list of a band, I love when you see a set list and you see the abbreviations of what they call their yeah, songs in yeah. shorthand. Like you wonder, what do they call this? Hey, hey, let's play that bit. Or do they say, let's play the rock bottom intro? Just, I don't know. I just think it's cool. And, and I like it. I think in a way, the fact that there's no ballads or anything, it slows the album down for a little bit. And uh, I think it's a beautiful little piece of music. But I mean, this is another one of those songs where I think... As a Kiss fan, okay, it's it's a short song or whatever, but you know where all the heavy parts come in, and I mean, I guarantee you, if you're listening to this, you know when to hit the chord on your air guitar and mm-hmm. throw your hands in the air. It's just one of those songs. I mean, I mean, really, every song, you know, you know the air guitar parts yourself, mm-hmm. but you know, you know from counting it off in your head where that little instrumental thing ends and where the intro should start and where you should hit the air guitar. And uh, yep. you know it's it's great. 
and you can sing all the guitar parts. I think this whole album, every even the little leads that Ace fills in, you sing those parts. You know, it's like in your mind. I mean, Gary's singing the whole album already, but I think all Kiss fans are doing that. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. and it's these yes. early albums are just defined by that. I agree. Uh, yeah, Ace is great on this record. Ace's solos are great. Ace always has those solos that you sing along with. I sing along with a lot of Ace solos. You know. Mm-hmm. You know so, what's one thing that that I listen for that's missing from the studio version of this song, though, is that Ace gets that amazing pinch harmonic on the very very first notes of the solo on "Kiss Alive." You know, I don't do like it's just I don't know. It's right in do there. Do that like, again. Nice, it's just right in there that okay. like that real squeaky pinch harmonic and it's Bobby... not there on the studio version in fact they they beef up this solo by having it i think he plays it like he plays it down on the neck and then he plays it up on the neck and they, yeah. they mix it together with an octave right uh-huh. and um and i i i like the solo as it's recorded on the studio version but it just it nothing beats the live version for me it's I will say this the, about it's, it's better on the studio version on Alive. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Alive too, definitely. But Alive, man, that's a that's that's very much a live record, I think. But I don't know. We've that's another chat for another time. But but I'll say I just want to say this really quickly about about that intro. They they make a big deal and have for the past two records, Sonic Boom, Monster, about bragging. No ballads, you know. There's no there, there's no ballads on this record. It's it's all heavy. It's all heavy. You know what? You don't need a ballad. You just need dynamics, and you need something like this that creates a little bit of um, space and variety. Mm-hmm. You know, this doesn't have to be. Let a, your a music four minute... breathe. Let your music breathe. Yeah, and and you, yes, and 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 mm-hmm. uh, rock bottom doesn't have to be a three. You know, the, that intro, the acoustic part doesn't have to be a three and a half minute. Um, you know, sob story, or you know, baby, I love you, come back to me, or whatever. You can uh, climb that mountain. You know what I mean? It just yeah. has to be. Uh, oh yeah, we're a rock band. Sometimes we sit down with guitars and we play stuff like this. Yeah, I agree. Wow, thanks. What a great song. Okay, Chris Cam. When I first heard this song, the intro to me seemed to go on for like ten minutes. I know it was only two minutes out of the song, but it, it just for some reason, maybe I was impatient and wanted to get to the to the meat of it, or maybe I'd heard the live version first. I'm not really sure which which came first, but it just, like I said, just seemed to take forever. But that aside, you know, what can you say? It's a great song, and it's something that um, you know Kiss hadn't done up to that point. You know, just just a, like a two minute intro, and um, that would have been interesting because like Sabbath did do stuff like that. They'd have these little instrumental oddity kind of things that would precede a track and so if do you guys think if they weren't worried about this album being too short do you think do you guys think this instrumental would have been on the record no i don't think it yes. would have okay well that's and i don't think it yes. would have been either but that's okay so know. gary why do you think it would have made the cut because part of what this instrumental does is it helps tell the story of the song it, it, to me i always i always heard it like you know it's like a breakup you you wake up the morning after and you just you're just your heart is crushed it, like you can't you almost can't breathe it's like someone's sitting on your chest and then all of a sudden you're like what fuck this i'm angry like fuck you you just like broke my heart and i'm going to go find someone else you know and that's what it like to me that's what it sounds like it's like oh my god i can't believe it. like i'm so lonely now i got to change my whole plan like everything like like i, I got to get rid of all these pictures like there's you by my bedside table i first thing i see when i open my eyes is is us on vacation you know and they're like oh it's just brutal Wait, I don't have to be sad. This sucks. Uh-huh. 
Again, these bitches, they should be nicer to <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, how, 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 do you have a bad bad mind? What's going on, Matt? How about this? His wife told him he couldn't buy Kiss concert tickets this year. Okay, so that's no, a lot of penna anger. No, go on. Do you, do you guys think that this rock bottom dynamic was the precursor to I Want You and then Tonight You Belong to Me? Oh, maybe, yeah. Wow. Well, like, well, Black Diamond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah, yeah. But that's a good point. Like, yeah, it's 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 definitely a repeating thing. You get that little acoustic, like, lull, lull you into a false sense of security, and then boom, you know.
fate would have it, when our intrepid Matt Porter, hi Matt. Ken, how are you? Doing great. You said on the show that you were tweeting Gene, Paul, and Ace about what the instrumental intro to Rock Bottom was, right? So what I did while we were actually recording that day was I put a tweet to at Paul Stanley Live, at Gene Simmons, at Ace underscore Fraley, and it said the intro to Rock Bottom, that piece of music, does it have a name? That was all it said. That's the question. Now, Paul Stanley Live did not reply. Ace underscore Fraley did not reply. But Gene Simmons did reply, and his reply that the name of that piece of music is... George. There you go. <laughs> Podcast making kiss history. Well, and a couple people actually replied, oh, I love that George is my favorite song. I hope they play George this summer on tour. So hopefully it <laughs> sticks. I think that'd be pretty funny. From now on, before Rock Bottom, it's George. You heard it from Matt Porter first. So there you go. <laughs> I was just uh, talking with the uh, the uh, gentleman in Kiss, uh, George and Peter and Paul and Ace about. Uh, <laughs> oh, George, George is not George? manager. I want to ask. Oh, George! Oh, oh, you're Ace. George is not here. George How about here, James in the background? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the best player. Unless right now, George, you're not getting away with it. Now, Ace seems to be the most laid back of the of the four, and he's the one who'll probably be the hardest to make talk. This is not Ace. This is George. This is George. Pasta. Ace is back in his ass. That's true. <laughs> we got, we got our Who's on first? What's on second? You know. <laughs> but you're kind of like a spaceman, huh? No, actually, I'm a plumber. Listen, I got a little piece of pipe backstage I'd like to have you work on. Tell me about it. Oh, you love it, but I'm in bed. You. You old sweet talker, you. Well, I think we're going to end our discussion on side one. And we want to thank you all for listening and check out part two coming soon. So say bye, everybody. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. We'll see you soon. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at KissFAQ.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are Kiss, and we are your army podcast is created by the kiss army for the kiss army and it is available for free as an internet download if you like what you hear on our show go buy it and support the people who made it podcast is not affiliated with kiss or any of its members past or present on behalf of myself ken and the whole rest of the podcast crew thank you for listening to podcast the kiss fanzine for your ears now now of course we're not we're not talking about subway uh, like uh, torpedo. Oh, what the hell is that?
I don't know, but I, I love mean, it. Like faxing something? That is a cool Uh-oh. sound. Is that a vacuum? I no, love it's that my sound. printer. No, it's my printer. Sorry. No, I love that sound. It sounds like uh, something's going off in the distance. I love it. I'm printing on a coupon for parking tonight. I gotta go to Boston. Oh, that's okay. Why not just take the subway? <laughs> Wait, we How many can't. copies do you need? 